the screen for about 58 seconds, and then the kids will be dismissed to Children's Church after. All right, Claire. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. But I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. Somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Thank you. The kids are dismissed to Children's Church. And as we start this morning, I'm just going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 15. Why don't you stand as I read, if you're able to. And in Matthew 6, verse 5 to 15, we read this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that there will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. Thank you. You may be seated. Prayer. Prayer is very simple in its essence. Its most simple definition is talking with God. Yet prayer is also one of the most complex subjects that can be discussed. Because it allows a simple human being, a simple sinful human being like myself, like all of us, to communicate, to connect to talk with a perfect Heavenly Father, with God. It is one of the best privileges that we have in life. And prayer is not a thoughtless act, as we saw in that short 58-second little video clip to begin with. It's not something that you do just based upon thoughtless, ritualistic movements or traditions. It doesn't matter if you do it on your face, on your knees, on your, on your stomachs. What matters is your heart. How, is you, how are you coming before God? Now, all of this may naturally happen as you come before God with your desperate pleas, your desperate prayers. And maybe some of you this morning are coming in here with desperate prayers that we need to lay at the altar for God to take care of. Prayer helps us to grasp the heart of God. 
It helps us to grasp onto eternity as we connect to him and as we can focus on something beyond ourselves. We can focus on, an, on a heavenly father who cares for us. Now, I'd like to ask if you haven't already, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew 6, verse 5 to 15, as we'll be focusing just about the entire morning in this section of the Bible. But we're starting this morning with grasping the heart of God. And to start with, we're going to be talking about grasping the heart of Jesus. As we look to Jesus' heart, as he led his disciples, as he led his followers, how to pray. Now, I want to start as you're turning from, to just read from Luke chapter 11 at verse 1. We'll read this. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples... And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. We're focusing on Matthew today, but I wanted to read that as you're turning to Matthew chapter 6. Because I wanted to start with this. As you read in Luke, it starts out with this. The disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. You see, prayer is something which if we're all honest with one another, we often would admit, if we're honest, that maybe we struggle with. Maybe we've wondered if we're doing it right. As I've heard some people tell me in the past, Patrick, I just don't understand. I pray and I pray and I pray, but I just don't understand if I'm doing it right because I don't know that I'm getting the answers I'm praying for. We often wish we had a better prayer life. And I don't think this would ever really change, or I don't think it should change, because prayer is what helps us to connect to our Heavenly Father, our God, in heaven. It is a good desire to want to improve upon. It's a good desire to think that we're not doing it well enough, as long as it's not keeping us from moving forward and practicing it. Our very souls, our hearts, they cry out and desperately desire this connection. And that is what prayer is all about. Prayer is going to the Father, connecting with Him. And if you watch that video, it said in desperation. Prayer is about desperately seeking out your Father. Seeking out God. Seeking out that connection, that relationship with Him. It's not about empty words. It's about desperate words of a desperate heart. Prayer should come natural as the spirit within us naturally desires to be connected with the Father 24-7. To be connected with the other part of the Trinity. They're never separate. But sometimes this is still hard for us. And a lot of this comes down to our own lack of confidence. Especially as Satan beats down on us and says, you're not good enough. As Satan beats down on us and tries to tell us, you're doing it wrong. Let me ask you a question. How often do you pray? Every day? Multiple times a day? A few times a week? Maybe you don't even pray that much. Maybe you pray when you need something. Maybe you pray rarely. No matter how many times we pray, it's not enough. Because we should be continually reaching out and staying connected with God. Let me ask you something else. What do you think prayer accomplishes? Because maybe... We don't pray enough because we don't realize what it accomplishes in our life. And as prayer focuses our hearts, our spirits, and our minds on God, it helps us to realize the strength that we have. 
It helps us to realize that all that lack of self-confidence that we have, all that stuff that Satan's beating down upon us saying you're not good enough, it helps us to realize it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter how good we are, it matters how good God is. So as we pray, we're able to grasp the heart of God. And as we're, we're looking to Matthew chapter 6 this morning, we look to grasp the heart of Jesus as he teaches his disciples to pray. We need this continually. We need this connection to God continually to help us with each step of life. And the disciples watched Jesus pray and they asked him this. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now as I read those words, I see something. I see, Lord, teach us to pray. And I see that prayer is something to be learned. It's something to be practiced. <clears throat> now, I want to be careful here because if you know me and I've talked about prayer with you before, I've told you that, um, I've told you sometimes that prayer is not that complicated. Prayer is something that you just do. And what I mean by this is it's something that we shouldn't be actively trying to avoid. And you know who you are. I know who I am. I've been that person where when somebody's about to ask somebody to volunteer to pray, and maybe you can even apply that to other principles. Somebody's about to ask somebody to read a section of the Bible and you kind of cower and you hide. I hope they don't see me. Because you're afraid to read in front of people. You're afraid to pray in front of people because you're afraid you might say something wrong. You might embarrass yourself. We must allow the Spirit to lead us into prayer at His divine timing. We must not resist. We must not quench the Spirit's guidance upon our lives because we must pray. And at times it's going to be hard because we think we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. But we need to know that the Spirit is what guides us. The Spirit utters on our behalf when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to do. We're not going to get better at something by avoiding it. We're only going to get better at something in prayer and get more confident at it if we're actively making it part of our lives. If we're actively making an effort to do it. We need to just do it. Almost like that Nike TV commercial which has sold them millions of shoes. Just do it. So looking back, we can already see several things from this message that God's given us grasping the heart of God on prayer. And we haven't even gotten the main scripture yet. And I didn't put slides up here this morning. But if you're taking notes, let me give you a number one here. And if you're not taking notes, you can email me later. I'll give you the full copy of my sermon. But looking back, we already see this. Number one. Prayer is not something to avoid due to lack of knowledge or confidence. It's something that you don't wait on doing until you're more confident in what you know. You just do it. Now, as I said, it is something that we learn. It's something that we practice. It's not something that you wait to start doing, though, until you know enough. It's something that you learn as you do it. Number two, that's what it is. Prayer is something to be learned or practiced and put into action. And there's numerous prayers in the Bible. In fact, there's hundreds, there's thousands of prayers throughout the Bible which you can look to for guidance on how can you pray. What are some things you can pray to or pray about? Some of my favorites to look at are the prayers of Paul. And the prayers are the cries of the Psalms. The book of Psalms are filled with people praying up to God, crying out to God, recognizing who God is and the power that he has and the help, the strength, the refuge, the shield that he provides for us. Number three, if Jesus, the Son of God, prayed, don't you think this is a good example that we should also be praying? And then number four, 
Jesus gives us a pretty good idea of the importance of prayer when he gives us specific instruction on how to pray. Jesus also gives us multiple other examples in his word of just watching him pray, such as his prayer in Gethsemane, praying to the Father, tear drops of blood, sweat drops of blood. But back to Matthew chapter 6, 5 to 15. Everybody should have your Bibles open to there now. It's okay if you have your cell phones open to there or your tablets, as long as you're not using it for Facebook right now. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 15, Jesus is teaching his disciples. Let me give you just a little background before we get into it. We are at a time in the Bible where Jesus is doing something called the Sermon on the Mount. And he has these hundreds or thousands of followers following him as he's teaching them up on this, hill, this hillside. Now, it's not just his 12 disciples, but it's the many disciples, the many followers that are following him at this time, and many who would walk away, turn away from him. This began with the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are weak. Blessed are those. Blessed are those. But he continued in these teachings as he taught these often neglected individuals certain things about life and how we should be living a better life, a life of serving God. He talked about anger. He talked about lust. He talked about the salt and the light. He talked about divorce. He talked about oath. He talked about loving your enemies and providing for those around you. And now he leads into prayer. So I'm going to read that first verse to you as we look to this in more detail. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Here's what amazes me just right now, right off the bat. Jesus is the master teacher. He perfectly transitions into this topic of prayer. As he's teaching the people one thing after another, he just got done teaching on prayer or transitioning from his teaching to the hypocrites on being seen by, in the public for doing things for others. Now he transitions, he just bounces just perfectly in, into prayer. And what did we just read? Let me open up my Bible to Matthew chapter 5. I want to read this to you. Matthew chapter 5, what you just got done reading is, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. So he just got done teaching on this. Do these things in secret. Don't do them just to be seen by others. And he so naturally just bounces right into this topic of prayer. As he then says, and when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites they just got done talking about. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners to be seen by others. Again, what he just got done speaking on. They wanted to be praised, these hypocrites. Jesus addressed this specific issue in the previous section, but now he bounces right into this, talking about it in relation to prayer. And Jesus knew that these disciples are going to pray. And if they're going to pray, he wanted to make sure that they did it as he would want them to do it. He allows us this glimpse into his heart as he teaches us how we should be praying. Not as the hypocrites do, 
But as Jesus does, he explains to all these people in a way that they can understand how they should be focusing upon God. Jesus tells us that we're not to pray to be seen by others, to receive praise from others for our acts, because prayer is not about us. Prayer is about God. Prayer is about praising him, humbling ourselves, and lifting him up, not lifting ourselves up. It was a religious tradition of the day to go and pray at least twice a day, or I'm sorry, four times a day. You would often pray at the synagogue as you had public prayer, and you would often pray at certain appointed times, 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. is what I found. But these hypocrites would often make a point to be here on the street corners. Jesus doesn't say this just for no reason. <clears throat> he, says, <clears throat> he says that these hypocrites would pray on the street corners, and he tells us not to pray like this. But go into our bedroom, go into our room, and pray in secret. Because these people, they could be praying in the rooms at these appointed times, but instead... They would schedule their day to be in public right at those times when it was time to pray because they wanted other people to see them. They wanted people to see them and think, oh, look how holy he is. Look how many words he has that they can come out in public and pray like this. Prayer at these times was not explicitly instructed to do it this way. They just planned their day to make it this way. God tells them, Jesus tells us that they have received their reward. They were seeking the praise of people, and they received the praise of people. But God's not going to reward them because this isn't what God wants them to do. God wants them to be focused on him. And we must be careful of this as well because it can be so easy as we're praying. And I'll admit, even myself, it's so easy to pray and be thinking, Oh, Lord, give me words which I won't fumble. Give me words that impresses those around us. Or maybe we're not praying actively like that. But as we pray, that is what we're thinking. As you're thinking to yourself, oh, I hope the pastor doesn't call on me to pray in front of everybody. You're thinking, oh, I hope I know what to say so I don't embarrass myself. We all have done that. But it doesn't matter because it's not about us. It's about God. And that's why we're told to go into our bedroom. Verse 6, or go into your room. It says this, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jeremiah 29, 12 tells us, Then you will call on me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. That in itself is a reward that we can go to the Father in prayer and he listens to us. But then Psalm 145:18 also tells us, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Again, talk about a reward, talk about a praise. And we're not even talking about physical blessings. Which are talking about God listening to us, God being with us. Now, obviously, we do a lot of prayer in public. We just prayed in public right here. We pray on, in public at our Alpha Nights, our Coach by Christ Night, our youth group. We pray together in public or as a congregation of people in our Bible studies. Is this a problem? No. It's okay to pray together. Jesus himself was praying in front of his disciples. That's not the point here. The point is that as we're praying together, we need to be like if we're in that room. We need to be focusing on him, not on the people around us. Once we go to God, our Father, in prayer, we need to put all else aside and just connect with him. The 120 were gathered in an upper room praying in one accord when Pentecost came. 
The disciples prayed for wisdom in knowing who Judas's replacement should be together. Acts 2.42 states that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now let me say this. I'm not discouraging personal, private prayer. We should be praying to God continually throughout the day, each and every single day, bringing every single need to Him. But we also need to not be afraid to pray with one another. And as we pray for one another, God provides for us in ways that nobody else can. He provides for you also by giving you other people that care about you. Brothers and sisters in Christ that can help you, that can lift you up, that can give you the courage when you don't have the courage, that can give you the strength and the energy. And sometimes it can help with those physical blessings. But when we pray, it should be as if no one else is around. We're not saying things for others to hear, but to give all the attention to him. Here's an interesting fact I read from a commentary. The specific ancient Greek word room was used for a storeroom where treasures were kept. So this reminds us that there are treasures waiting for us in our prayer rooms. That's interesting, isn't it? The specific Greek word for rooms in this text is related to treasure rooms. That's cool. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Here we see the last introductory statement from Jesus as we, before we get into the very meat, the model of prayer here. He's given us some introductory statements on how we come to God in prayer. And we're told we shouldn't be insulting God by trying to impress Him with thinking that you must come to Him with all these fancy words, with all this babbling, trying to, to say maybe what you could say in one sentence, in five sentences, or in minutes and minutes and minutes, and Again, it goes back to the day the hypocrites felt like if they were seen on the street corners praying these long, lengthy prayers, which maybe even people around them wouldn't even understand, they would think that they're holier than thou. Here's the thing. We need to speak from our heart in prayer. And remember who you're speaking to. You're speaking to the God who is omniscient. He's all-powerful, but he's also all-knowing. And God already knows everything that you're coming to him with, yet God still loves to listen to you. And to hear from you. But he wants you to remember who he is. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Christians, this is from Spurgeon. Christians, prayers are measured by weight and not by length. Many of the most prevailing prayers have been as short as they were strong. It's not about what you say, the many words, it's about how you say it. It's about your heart that you're bringing before God. And as we pray, we must remember that the purpose of our prayers is not to inform God, but to direct us to where true help comes from. Leonard Ravenhill said, if weak in prayer, we are weak everywhere. If weak in prayer, we are weak everywhere. But if we're strong in prayer, we are strong in everywhere because we're constantly connected to the true source of hope. Matthew 6, 9 to 15, as we get to the meat and potatoes here of the prayer, it says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As we look to this natural prayer model, we can see two things. We can see that this is naturally divided into two areas. As we see, the first section of this model of prayer is focused upon God. And the second section of this prayer is focused upon us and our own needs. It's still directed at God, but it's focused on bringing our needs before him and asking him for help. I really like how Jesus does this, and he does it on purpose. It's not by coincidence. He focuses us on God first. Do you know how many of our prayers are already answered the moment we're praying and we're focusing on God first? Because we realize, we recognize who he is. As we first start with, hallowed be your name, we recognize that God is hallowed. God is holy. Actually, we start with the word Father. As we say, Father, our Father in heaven, we remember that we should be praying to God like a Father. And why I say that is because a Father we can go to and we can talk to, we can naturally talk to with anything that's going on in our life. And maybe you haven't had that happen in your life because you've had a bad father in your life. If so, I'm sorry for that, but we need to look to who our heavenly father is. And we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this due to time, and we've talked about this a lot in previous sermons. But our heavenly father is perfect. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is everywhere, all-knowing, all-powerful. And when you talk to your heavenly father, you can be honest. You can be open. You can seek advice from him. But you need to do it with remembering that he is holy. And this sets the tone for the prayer. As we pray to our Father in heaven, we remember, hallowed be your name. We praise him. We honor him for who he is. We remember what he has done all over creation. We remember what he's done in our own lives. We remember his holiness, his faithfulness, and his many marvelous characteristics. I once had a youth, when I was a youth pastor, and this was before I was a youth pastor. I was a volunteer youth minister, we'll put it that way. I was about 22 at the time, 23. And then when I would ask these teens to pray, I had one teen that always volunteered. So I would call on him and he would pray like this, dude, God, dude. No matter how much I tried to counsel him on that, I, I just couldn't get him to change. And it's because he was trying to be funny and trying to look for attention around people, from people around him. But I also know that God knows the heart. And God knows what he needed and what he would come to God for. But this is how we set the, the tone for the entire prayer. Hallowed be his name. We do not speak to him as a friend, a bro that we might pass on the street. Dude, say, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How magnificent your works are. How magnificent you are as we look to all of your creation, your marvelous power, the stars and the sky, and we remember just who he is. Hallowed be your name. We honor him and the blessings that we have from him as we come to him directly. Your will be done. The next part of that scripture is not by coincidence that this statement comes first because we focus not first on what we want or what we think we need, but we say, May your will be done. May your kingdom be done here on earth as it is in heaven. His will is really the only will that truly matters. We think that our will is what matters, but God's will is what matters because his will is the one that, that will, is going to happen. 
God still desires to hear our pleas, but God knows what is best. And he'll bless us for just coming to him and for asking him to help when we focus on him first. This, help, this statement helps to humble us. But it, it kind of depends on how do we say it. How do we say, your will be done? Do we say it and do we really mean it? Lord God, hallowed be your name. Um, your will be done here. Now, obviously, we don't normally pray in these exact words. We use this as a model. But often we do pray like that. We pray, Lord, I want to pray for your will, but I pray for this, I pray for that, I pray for this. Are we praying for his will? Or are we praying that his will is our will? We need to pray for his will and then we submit to it. Because let me tell you something, God's will is abundantly better than yours and is filled with many blessings. All prayer should willingly submit to his purpose, his will, and it should ultimately glorify him as we reach out to him. As we're trying to grasp onto his heart, grasp onto all eternity, we should be glorifying him with how we do it. Verse 12 Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God cares about your everyday needs. And some people try and just say, well, this didn't really mean our daily bread in the physical sense. But I think it does. I know it does. I know that God cares about your everyday needs and he wants to provide for you. But we need to glorify him when he provides for us. We are talking at that Thursday morning Bible study this morning. When God provides for you, do you give him the glory? Do you recognize that it's from him? Or do we claim it's from somebody else? And maybe that's even from doctor's appointments or from hospital visits. And you see the glory of God. You see a miracle happen in front of your face. And we say, we say something like, wow, modern medicine is amazing, isn't it? The, the knowledge of these doctors. Yet we've seen personally lately how God provides through these doctors. And we say, praise God for guiding the hands of these surgeons. Praise God for giving them the knowledge to do this. Praise God for working a miracle in this little girl's life when she could have died in this ATV accident, but you protected her so much that it was just bruises and cuts. Amen. Give God the glory. God cares about your everyday needs, but part of those everyday needs are not just the physical and we recognize this as well. Part of these everydays, our needs are the spiritual. We need forgiveness. We need washed from our sins daily. Now, I say that with caution because I do believe, and once we're saved, we're always saved. I personally believe that we don't need to continually to repent day after day for the physical or the spiritual aspect of, if I didn't pray two minutes ago and I sinned, I'm going to hell. But what I believe is that we should be wanting, our spirit desires for us to repent of our sins because we want to be right with God. We want to be focusing on Him. We must seek forgiveness because we're insulting Him for not following His ways, His will at all times. We disappoint God with our disappointment, with our, our disobedience, and therefore we should repent. It's no different than when you go against your mom's orders as a kid or your dad's orders as, your kid, as a kid or maybe husband's, you do something that didn't make your wife too happy and you go to your wife later on and you say, honey, I am so sorry that I did this. I should have never done this. Now, maybe sometimes we do really need that to be forgiven, but most time your wife may have already moved on because she knows you're not perfect. 
But that's the same thing with God. We don't need to, but he desires us to. We must go to God. We should naturally go to God and ask for forgiveness. This also helps us to recognize all that God is continually doing as he forgives us through Jesus Christ. God looks down upon us, and Jesus didn't just die for us once. But every single day, every single time that we're sinning, we're doing something against God, Jesus is continually dying for us day after day. And this should lead us to two things. I've got a lot of numbers today. One, we should be forgiving others as God has forgiven us. And two, we should, providing, we should be providing a way to life through Jesus Christ as God has done for us. As we forgive others, we need to really forgive them and move on as God does. And two, as God did for us, we need to provide a way for them to find Jesus. Thirteen, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Temptation here literally means to test. And it's not new news to you that all of us will go through testing, will go through temptations. God never once tells us that we're going to go through a perfect life with no problems, no struggles. But what he tells us is that he will not give us anything that is more than what we can handle in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And James 1, 13 says that, while God does not tempt men to do evil, he will allow them to go through periods of testing. So why is this in this prayer model? As I'm reading through this, I know that God will give us things. Well, if God's going to give us things, why are we preaching against his will? Why are we telling him, Lord God, please lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? Here's what I came up with. We should not be naturally desiring these testings, these temptations. We also know what we struggle with. And we should be praying to God, saying, God, please help me as I struggle with this. Please do not allow the evil to take over. Deliver me from this. Do not allow this temptation to continually to continue to go through my life. If we truly desire to never go into temptation, though, which could have strengths to overcome, we must realize that we need the heart of God. We need to grasp onto him. And we need his help, his strength. And the more that we're grasping on to the heart of God through prayer, the more that he's going to be influencing our lives because we're staying connected to him and remembering that we're not alone. We are victorious over the testing in our life when we are purposed to have faith that we are not alone. To have prayer. We're victorious in all that happens in our life when we have prayer. In one way or another, it doesn't mean that God's going to take it away from us. But what it means is that God's going to sustain us because we're not alone. I'm going to move forward a little bit. I want to move on to the conclusion here, to the take-home point. So if you've been sleeping, now's the time to wake up. <laughs> if you've fallen asleep, I want you to listen to this. What has struck me about the Lord's Prayer as we focus on listening, what do these individual verses mean? Is I think the Lord's Prayer is not just a prayer. It's a way of life. Yes, we can focus on it being a model for how we pray as we adore God, as we hollow be his name, and we think about his holiness, his strength, his might, as we confess our sins, as we thank him for all he does, and we ask him for his needs. We can think about all those things. We can pray for those things. But I think it's more than just a prayer. It's a way of life. We should be adoring God in every part of our life, we should be giving glory to him as we look upon what's happening in our life and we say, God, look at your might. 
Look at your holiness. Look at all you do for me and for those around us. Maybe that's a struggle. Maybe right now you're at a time where you don't think you can see what God's doing in your life. Maybe you need to focus on other things. Focus on looking to what God does for all of his creation, for what God does for the people around you. Maybe it's because you need to focus on somebody else so that somebody else can then focus on you and tell you, I see what God's doing in your life. And may he continue to use you. I want to ask you this. How are you doing? Are you adoring God regularly? Are you giving him the glory for how holy he is? Our salvation should have such value in our lives that it cannot be contained in a storeroom. It should be overflowing for everyone on the outside to see. How often do you pray? When do you pray? How do you pray? For what purpose do you pray? These are all things that we should be thinking about as we talk about prayer. And there's many more ways we could talk about prayer on how to pray. We could be looking to such things like Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts in your minds in Christ Jesus. We can look to the many heroes of faith from the Bible and how they prayed and what they prayed for to help us as we think, what should we be praying for? Well, first of all, we don't have time for that. But second of all, if we can't get the first thing right, the Lord's model of prayer, I don't think we deserve to be praying the others. We need to be praying how God tells us to pray, which starts with focusing on God, hallowed be your name. We focus on him. The first section of that prayer is focusing on him. And then we focus on our own needs. But we still remember who we're praying to. And as we do this, it naturally takes away a lot of our needs. We can trust that God hears our prayers and will do what is best for us. And when his answer is no or wait, then it's because he knows better. And he knows that he has a plan which is going to come to place and is for the better. We can rest in his care. But I must end with a strong comment, a strong statement. John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life? Have you trusted in him? Because if we have not yet trusted in Jesus as the Lord and Savior, then our words are empty prayers. We need Jesus in our life. Jesus is what restores that right connection between God and us, between our Heavenly Father and us. We need Jesus. I had a man, an elder at our previous church, that always said this, when people ask me to pray for them, and maybe you know this, maybe you had people that have come up and asked for them to pray for them. People know the, the power in prayer, and they'll randomly just walk up because they know who you are, that you're a Christian, and they'll say, hey, can you pray for me for this? Well, he would always start out with this. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Because if you don't know Jesus, that's what we need to pray for first. That's what we need to talk about first. So if you don't know Jesus in here today, then I want to ask you to come to me, come to somebody in this church, and ask them about Jesus. Because we all need Jesus for salvation and to restore that right relationship with God. So I'm going to pray now, and I'm just going to end in prayer this morning. The worship band's not going up. So if you would bow your heads with me.
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others, for if we forgive others, Lord, you will forgive us. Lord, we lift you up today as we think about your might, as we think about your power, as we think about how holy you are. And we think about how unworthy we are, yet you continually look to us. You listen to us. You saved us through your son Jesus dying upon a cross for us when we did not deserve it. Lord, thank you for sending your son to die for us. Please forgive us for being sinners and for continually continually disappointing you, Lord. And as we place our trust in you, as we place our trust in your son Jesus as our Lord and Savior, may our lives be honoring to you as we glorify you with our actions, Lord. Lord, give us today what we need to be able to survive spiritually and physically. Help us, Lord. Help our minds as we're focused on things that that maybe we shouldn't be focused on as we're struggling through this life with testing, with temptation, with struggles, and Satan continues to beat us down. Lord, we give it to you. Be our strength. Lord, please be our refuge. And if you don't take it away, Lord, if your will is differently, then I just pray to continually lead us in the direction that you want us to go. And may we honor you through this time.